Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere, where CEOs, leaders, and experts at building teams, companies, organizations, and amazing cultures share how to lead from anywhere in the world. I'm your co-host on the East Coast, Ginny Bianco Mathis. And I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon. And we invite you to join us to Team Anywhere. If there's one thing that we're certain about in the future is that we'll be having hybrid meetings, meetings where some of us are in the office and others will be at remote locations. So how do we make them work? Well, to find out, we have Karen Reed, who just released her new book, Suddenly Hybrid, Managing the Modern Meeting. She and her co-author, Joseph Allen, developed by speaking to leaders who've been running hybrid meetings from the get-go. If you want to make your hybrid meetings more effective and get introduced to the best practices, you definitely want to listen to today's episode of Team Anywhere. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Team Anywhere. I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon, where it is just gorgeous. And I've got our co-host on the East Coast, Dr. Virginia Bianco. Mathis, where it's probably not as gorgeous. No, and, it's raining here in Washington, D.C. Yeah, and in the house, we've got a special guest that we brought back because she's so special and she has oh. another book out. But Ginny, why don't you introduce her and I let's will. just get this party started. I will. And yes, she has a new book out, which I'll hold up. Suddenly hybrid. And I thought... Well, how perfect. Let's read the mini bio that they have right on the jacket. Karen Reed is CEO of Speaker Dynamics. She's an Emmy award-winning broadcast journalist. There's not too many of us who can say that. (laughs) And now focuses on helping business professionals to be confident communicators on any platform, in person, on camera, or through virtual communication tools. Welcome, Karen. Thank you so much for having me back. You two are just the best. <laughs> oh, well. Thank you. And we want to thank you personally for writing a book that is all about our podcast, right? Hybrid Media. It's all hybrid. So thank you yeah. for doing that. Yeah, oh, you're that, welcome. That's, that's you inspired beautiful. me. <laughs> My first question, why the book and why so quickly? I'm still asking myself the question, why so quickly? It's exhausting. Writing two books in a year seems like insanity. But here's what happened. Joe Allen, my co-author, who is a really amazing meeting scientist, and I collaborated on our first book, Suddenly Virtual. It did really well. We were so pleased to see it so well received. And we kept on getting these questions, though, from people asking us about, what about hybrid meetings? What do you do with those? Because that's the way we're headed. And so we're on a call with our executive editor at Wiley. And I said to Joe, you know, is there more that we have to say beyond what we have in Suddenly Virtual about hybrid meetings? And he said, geez, we could write a book about it. (laughs) And our executive editor said, don't tease me. Are you serious? Can you do this? And we looked at each other and said, sure. And so suddenly we found ourselves writing another book. But I think the timing is right because it's hitting at the point where we're seeing more organizations trying to shift into hybrid and are finding it to be challenging. So we're hoping that this helps them to navigate that better and really strategize. Yes, totally. And it's not just the technology part of it. It's the psychological part of it. And I really like some of the scientific stuff you bring in there that we may touch on. Right 
right in the beginning, you tell the delightful story of this company out of Australia, Envato. And just tell that story, this hybrid thing. Hey, what's everyone getting so excited about? Well, it's funny because one of the biggest joys of writing this book in particular was the opportunity to talk to a bunch of people who have been doing hybrid well for a long time. Pulling out their success stories was really helpful and and informed our writing. So Envato was one of those companies and they were formed as a hybrid company right from the get-go because the founders really prioritized travel in their own lives and they wanted to give that opportunity to their employees as well. So they have a policy in place that you can work remote from anywhere up to three months, provided that it is an approved place based upon your Wi-Fi signal. Like you can't go and live in a hut somewhere that has no internet connection for three months. That's not going to be sufficient. You have to be able to be connected to your team. They started it that way and it's become just an amazing place to work. It frequently gets rewards for their culture, but they also, interestingly enough, they have a priority upon ensuring that people have time to be together as well. So they have what they call back-to-base meetings. I love that. Yeah, I do too. It's almost like an offsite that's onsite. The team building that used to take place somewhere away from the corporate headquarters actually happens like on the corporate headquarters. And so the person I talked to was saying it's probably not the most productive week, but it's a really important week because you still need to create those ties, reestablish those ties and make sure that you still have team cohesion. So it's a great opportunity for people to actually not do a virtual happy hour, but have a literal happy hour. Oh, I Um, love it. Yeah. It's a different way of using the headquarters that I think you're going to see a lot of companies start to adopt, like figuring out, okay, what is really the purpose of the physical office space? And in the case of Nvato, a lot of times it's just bringing people together and really focusing on culture as opposed to the productivity that's measured in the KPIs. Yeah. Yeah. And the social energy, which is so important now. Absolutely. You have a section on lessons learned from our suddenly hybrid work life and share with us what you feel some of those more important ones are. And yet also within that, I was fascinated the survey work that Joseph Allen did as part of your book and how it just beautifully fell into before COVID, during COVID and after COVID. It was very fortunate. And also the most recent results were really surprising to Joe and to me as well. So what Joe had the good fortune of doing and the foresight of doing was taking a look before the pandemic at how effective meetings were and how people were gathering during those meetings. And what he found, not surprisingly, is that the majority of the meetings were held face-to-face. And when we switched to our fully virtual lives, as you can imagine, face-to-face meetings dropped dramatically and video meetings went up dramatically. And then in June of 2021, he went back to those same people and just said, how are you meeting now? And what he found was that face-to-face was starting to come back. Video was still holding on strong and hybrid was really starting to creep back up. The interesting thing about writing the book itself was you were kind of writing a book, writing the story as it was still being told. (laughs) So what we looked at from the data from the most recent survey related to hybrid was how effective they seem to be, which was not what we expected. Given all of the inherent challenges of having a hybrid meeting, we really thought people would say, these are terrible. We hate them. We never want to do them again. But it was actually completely opposite. People actually really found them to be very satisfying. Interestingly enough, they found that there was more participation in a hybrid meeting. That is what, yeah, I'm interrupting. You can't deny that. 
Yes. More participation in a hybrid than in virtual. Right, exactly, which is really fascinating. It might be something to do with the fact that those who were doing these hybrid meetings made a point of using best practices. And I think that is something that we can't underscore enough. You have to be intentional if you're going into these hybrid meetings, because if you're not, you will fail. (laughs) There's just too many things that you have to consider. Participation was higher in hybrid meetings. Less bad meeting behaviors were displayed. Like, for example, like what we call surface acting, which is like fake positivity, where you look like you're all smiley and feeling good about things, but you know internally that you're just miserable or really angry. There was much less of that in a hybrid hybrid meeting. And also there was less recovery time that was required after a hybrid meeting, which I also found to be really interesting. And Joe, I hadn't even heard of that concept. And yet with Zoom fatigue and everything else, it makes so much sense. Absolutely. Finish the meeting. How long does it take me to recover? And yeah, there's various metrics around that, but it's something that I think people started realizing more about as they were suffering through the ubiquitous Zoom fatigue, but it's not just Zoom, it's any video call platform. And there were organizations that started to pull back on that, shortening their meetings, you know, saying you have to have at least 10 minutes between meetings. And that is the goal. It's not always held to, Uh, but at least there is a recognition that recovery time is really critical. Yeah, that's wonderful. So what are some of those key strategies? Absolutely. This isn't just the responsibility of the hybrid meeting leader. It's actually the responsibility of everybody in the meeting itself. So this is a joint responsibility that everybody has to buy into. Let's look at it first from like the meeting leader perspective. It's really important that you recognize that your goal is to create participation equity. And there is a proximity bias that you always have to fight. So if you are leading a meeting from within the physical conference room, it is only human nature and natural for you to want to pull out more participation from the people you can reach out and touch. But it's really important for you as a meeting leader to fight against that all the time. So there are certain strategies that you can employ. The first one that I really like that a lot of successful hybrid organizations do is they have a policy where remote speak first. So say, for example, you are leading the meeting from within a conference room you get to a topic in the agenda that you want to have some discussion about rather than turning to your right and saying, Hey, Mitch, what do you think? Instead, turn your attention to the monitor that it's showing the faces of the remote attendees and you ask them to weigh in first. Now you have to do that with some psychological safety, meaning that you can give them the option to say, pass, I don't have anything to add. That's perfectly okay. But you're letting them at least have that sliver of time that is devoted to them to be able to make their presence known. And I think that's really important for them, but it's also important for everybody in the meeting because it immediately raises everybody's awareness that those who are in the meeting aren't just the ones that they can see seated around the conference room table. Totally. And you mentioned something that is probably another tip in your book around give them the option to pass. Mm -hmm. They have to know they have that option. Right. So coming up with ground rules and understand almost like a little lesson Yes. And it's probably easier with some groups than others. So let's have some real critical thinking during this meeting. And that means let's have some connections. So Judy on the screen and Bob sitting over there in Florida, y'all get what I'm saying? Okay, let's start. Yeah. Creating those ground rules at the beginning, setting expectations at the beginning makes a big difference on how effective that meeting is. But even before you get into the meeting itself, having those expectations laid out in like a team meeting agreement 
is a great way to yeah. codify all of those policies. One of the things that I see a lot of meeting leaders do improperly is they don't proactively facilitate a hybrid meeting discussion. And if you think, I'm just going to have a free for all and just have an exchange of ideas and ideation, that is not going to work because People in the physical conference room, for example, will find it a lot easier to dominate the conversation. And those who are joining virtually may have a hard time getting a word in edgewise. So if you have a turn-taking policy, it really helps. What are some other rules that we should think about or should use in a hybrid situation? So turn-taking is a great rule. You know, when I started my career, I had to go read books on how to facilitate. So now yes. you're teaching us how to facilitate hybrid. So what are some other rules we would want to follow? Well, validating the nonverbal and verbal participation. One of the things that we got really used to in our fully virtual lives was spending a lot of time looking at chat and letting people add comments and ask questions in chat. That's something I would encourage pulling into a hybrid situation as well, because then it creates opportunity for people to participate more fully if, for example, they are remote and can't get the attention of the meeting leader that they have something to say. But what is important is if you have that validation of both forms of participation, it is up to the meeting leader at a minimum to draw attention to it and not just let that chat be like a parking lot that nobody ever looks at. But it also can be a case where a meeting attendee can be checking out that chat as well and can pull that into the verbal dialogue. Chat monitors are really important to have in a hybrid That's setting. Good. They're important in a virtual setting, but probably even more important in a hybrid setting because, whoa, the meeting leader in hybrid, you have so many things that you have to consider. You've yes. got the technology, you've got the participation in this complex communication environment. You know, you've got to oftentimes be the decision maker and you're trying to take in the content and the thoughts and, and then come up with the ultimate decision. There's a lot you have to do. That's a big cognitive burden. So if you can spread that out amongst other people on the team, I say mm -hmm. go for it. Yeah. Because in the real world where we were all together, you say, okay, we need a timekeeper. We need someone to do the flip chart. So now what you're saying is oh, we need someone to monitor chat. Yes, the tech person. So okay. say, for example, oh, yeah. you have somebody who can't get their microphone to work. You could actually lose 20 minutes of your meeting time trying to right. troubleshoot that. So if you can take somebody who is you know, kind of responsible for the tech mm -hmm. on that particular call, stick them in a breakout room and let yep. them solve it yep. without disrupting the flow of the meeting, you're all going to be better off. Um, and we also talk about creating in-room buddies or almost like in-room advocates where, for example, say that Mitch, you're going to be in the meeting room. Ginny's going to be joining remotely. You two are buddies. So that means if you are in the meeting, and something comes up and you're like, oh, Ginny hasn't waited in a while. It would be your responsibility to be like, hey, can we bring Ginny into the conversation here? I think that she'd have a unique perspective. That so when we're talking nice. about it being a leader responsibility as well as an attendee responsibility, that's one way that an attendee can make a big impact on the success of the meeting. Great. So what would you say, because what I've read in the Wall Street Journal, because that's the only thing I read these days, <laughs> is there was a statement of a bunch of companies that basically said, okay, we've decided, we've done all the research mm. and we're only going to have either a meeting where everybody's in the room or where everyone is virtual. So even if you're in your office, right, go back you to your to office, go to your little cube office and be equal to everybody else. What do you have to say to that? So here is where that's coming from, because for the first time, you're having a much more complex communication environment that you have to navigate. When you're in person, you're all sharing the same communication medium, which is the air that you breathe. When you are virtual, 
you're all sharing the same communication medium. That is the platform that you're using. You all show up in the same way. When you are hybrid, you can have people who are using the communication of the air, the communication of the video platform, the communication of a phone that they're calling in on. Not a good idea, FYI. You have to try to make all of these networks work in concert. So yeah, it's hard, but sending everybody to their respective Zoom windows misses out on a key component. And it's the fact that we are social beings. As human beings, we crave just being around other people. And so if you can actually have the opportunity to harness some of that in a hybrid meeting, you should, because there's an energy that evolves from that. And that does not necessarily have to be just for those who are are in the meeting room. That's felt by those who are virtual as well. So I give this example where if I'm teaching somebody how to deliver a keynote from on stage, I tell them to shrink the room, find individuals in the audience that you can talk to and have like a personal moment with. And it's not like you're doing that with everyone in the audience, but whenever everybody in the audience sees you making that individual connection, that feels good to them. That feels authentic to them. So the same would be true whenever you're in a hybrid meeting. So there's great value in at least having some way of people being able to have that social interaction that is in person. It doesn't necessarily have to be them with another person. They can also derive benefits from seeing other people share that. I want to blast your book all over LinkedIn for the following reason. Please do. A month ago, all right? So that to me is a short time ago. Some consultant, very seasoned, I am sure, put out a survey and asked, what do you like to do the best? What do you suggest for your clients? All virtual, all this, all this. And it came out as one or the other. The hybrid is too hard. Mm -hmm. And I smacked my forehead, just like that emoji. You are the ones that are supposed to be educating and fostering learn the tools. That was a very common line that was given by meeting consultants for really long time. But, you know, as you'll read in our book, even some of those really seasoned people are saying, you know what, that was our advice then, but we've changed our tune because hybrid is inevitable. And it's it's a reflection of the way people want to work these days. And it promises to be the most inclusive of any meeting type because it allows people to work the way they want to work. And if you've got employees working the way they want, they're going to be happy employees. Happy employees are productive employees and productive employees make for a better bottom line. So allow them to connect by having the technology to support that. And then also training them on how to navigate it, train your managers on how to facilitate an effective hybrid meeting, and then let them train their team or bring in other people to train their team on how to change their mindset. I would also be going like this too, if I I had somebody say that to me, because it's a lost opportunity. And you know, we like the horse-drawn carriage. The car's cool, but let's just stick with the horse-drawn carriage because that's what we know. And everything <laughs> will go just much better that way. Exactly. And I love the point you made, and the light bulb went on to me. The reason why folks, or they're saying, and proving now, that we have some kind of hybrid in scheduling mm, is yes. because people will gravitate and choose What works best for them psychologically? Right. I want to work at home more, hear more. All right, let's have some choices within some parameters. Right. You pointed out the same goes for a meeting. Mm -hmm. No, I want to be virtual. No, I want to be in the office. Of course, then, if I get to choose, 
I'm going to bring my best. And now Joseph Allen's survey makes so much sense. That's why there's more participation. Let me ask you, because, you know, we've all been there leading or facilitating executive teams. What would be your advice to an executive team where we want to honor people's flexibility? And I'm thinking about an executive team that I'm working with, which is they're rather close in terms of proximity location. Would you say hybrid meetings are actually more effective? So just do them all hybrid and we'll see who shows up and who doesn't. Or would you recommend, well, you know, you really should strive for a certain amount of meetings that are going to be in person. What does the research say about that? Joe always talks about having to ask yourself two questions. What is the purpose of the meeting and does it require collaboration? And, and if it requires collaboration, then for sure you need it to be a meeting in the first place. So there's that whole process that you should go through for any sort of meeting. Now, in terms of like what meetings are best, I would say you'd want to go towards the meeting that has the richest sort of experience. A face-to-face meeting where you're tackling some courageous conversations conversations is probably the best bet. But hybrid can also work really well if it's something where you have an opportunity to work where you work best. Virtual meetings can be great if they're small enough. The things that I think are difficult with a large virtual meeting is it's too easy to just attend a virtual meeting if you got 100 people on the call. And that's when people will turn off their cameras and they're multitasking. And it's kind of, what's the point of this? (laughs) Seriously. So those are the kinds of meetings that like the information sharing, where I would say that probably shouldn't be a meeting in the first place. But I would say, consider what the topic of the conversation is, and then choose the richest medium for that. You know, but there's also one of the things you mentioned too, like this executive leadership team is close in proximity. Are they close in relationships? Would you say yes to that? Have they been working together a long time? They've been working together for a long time. And as we were all talking before this call, over the last two years, we might've been close. And then it seems even the closest teams have gotten further apart. So just listen to Envato. They're like, we value hybrid work, but we also value that time when you're together. And that time together should probably be about like reestablishing the team cohesion that perhaps might slip away a little bit. But one of the things that I think is also interesting to view is just how people are using those one-on-one virtual calls in a different way than they ever did. I had one of the people I interviewed from a company that does a lot of They're actually fully remote now, but he was doing onboarding and he said, I know the people who I hired during the pandemic better than the people I worked with for a decade because it was so personal having these one-on-one conversations whenever we have like a portal into each other's personal lives. So there's a lot that can be said for having a small virtual meeting and because it's that intimate conversation and it breaks down some of those barriers. So I think that there's a place for that as well. I don't mean to be like begging off your question, but it depends on the content that's being discussed, your relationship with the people. For example, like a phone call with somebody you've known for 20 years can be really effective because you can fill in the gaps. You know when they'd roll their eyes at something. You know just by the tone of their voice how they feel about something. You don't need to read their facial expressions. But if you have, for example, a new person to that executive leadership team, that is something where I'd want to be able to establish those ties as strongly as possible. So maybe you're like immediately faced as that introduction is being made. Then you can move to a hybrid just so that you're 
helping to bring them into the fold easier in a richer way. I know that Janine was saying, learn how to use the tools. I do think there's a depth in learning how to use the tools. And I think as you're pointing out, Karen, let's think about the number of people on the call. And right. also, I think you say, if it's a hundred people on a call, don't have a call. There's a lot of moving pieces that we want to look as Ginny and I have had these many podcasts with you. This is our second one. So I can't wait for a third one. Another topic is that because of the questions that we've been asking, I feel like I have now 78 more new friends that I actually know sometimes better than the people I've known for 20 years, just because of the medium, let's just say. Yeah, it's true. I've never met Joe in person. My co-author, I've written, oh, really? never met in person, wrote two books with him, currently writing a third. But, you know, the circumstances of the world have not allowed us to do that. And yet he is one of my closest colleagues and, and a hilarious? really good friend. So right. yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I think it's important to recognize that. But you're not going to get that bonding out of a virtual call, a video call with 100 people, right? <laughs> you know, it right. has to be right-sized for sure. To, and to I write. love, Mitch, the point you made about a group that you've had worked with that were close. And now over the past two years, that's morphing. Mm. And I was dealing with a CEO yesterday. He goes, I don't know what happened. Mm. He says, now they want all these different things. Right. This movement has infiltrated my team. He says, that's what I want to work on. Yeah. And I said, good for you. You've noticed it. And now we can do some things. So don't be deceived these days. My team is great. They're reading, they're watching, and it's time for a reset. They're also waiting for you to pull your head out of the ground to kind of understand that things have changed. And well, I think that brings this is a great opportunity really to get some feedback and be truly listening to it and then try to come up with something that is going to make sense given the different expectations of the workforce across the board. And then have some tools that will help you then navigate it. The same CEO collected the data and he says, now I feel stuck. Mm. They want different things, and none of them are what I want. <laughs> there is a big because gap. I right? am totally stuck. But you have a section where you talk about signs of a healthy transition. Here's how it should be done or a good way to go about it. So we have that reflection exercise, the AIM framework, where you assess the things that you need to stop doing, things that you need to continue doing, and things that you need to start doing. I think it's important to point out that you should not try to do everything all at once because that's just a recipe for disaster. But you can make incremental change. One of the things I really am proud of about Suddenly Hybrid is that it is very practical. There are a ton of checks there are a ton of tools that you can actually download. There's a companion website. So you can actually use it more as a workbook. There's theory, of course, but there's a lot of practical strategies. So at a high level, how can you tell if you're starting to transition in the right way? You can look at just the overall performance of your organization. Are you hitting your KPIs the way you want to? Are they maintaining or perhaps even increasing? That's interesting. We're seeing some of that occurring as well. All of that technology, perhaps, that you've invested in, has it spawned new ways of collaborating? Are people collaborating and using it? One of the gaps that I do currently see as well is that there's been so much innovation with companies trying to problem solve for the hybrid space, for the hybrid meeting. Some really cool stuff. But I work on a daily basis with clients who consider it a victory if they can share their screen. <laughs> so 
know, when I think about like the tech proficiency that is required for some of these innovations, I'm like, oh, I don't know if that's going to really be the solution. It is critical to make sure that if you do start investing in technology to enable hybrid collaboration, hybrid work, that you train your people on how to use it. Because otherwise, it's just going to collect dust, whether that's like physical dust or a metaphorical dust. That's um, right. So I see that all the time. A lot of clients who I would work with were from a sales force that were trying to navigate going from a face-to-face -face handshake model of selling to a virtual one. And I'd hop on a one-on-one -on -one call with them and their image was grainy. And I'm like, didn't your company send you a webcam? And they'd say, oh yeah, it's in the closet. I haven't taken it out of the yeah. box. And so I'd spend that time unboxing their webcam and helping them to set it up. And then suddenly they were empowered to use it. That's the same good. goes for any yeah. sort of technology that you introduce. But I think also you pointed this out earlier, Jenny, that it's really critical to train people on the skillware as well. It is also a matter of learning new approaches, new tools. So train your managers on how to facilitate that meeting. Train your people on how to be aware of all the people in the room and help them to understand why this is so critical. Because for example, if you have only the people in the conference room weighing in, you're going to be missing out on all that input from key team members and right. your decision will not be optimized. The benefits of all of this, as you just said, increased productivity, increased participation. And a lot of these leaders don't want to believe that. Yeah. And talent retention. And there was a survey that I found so fascinating, just came out from Barco a couple of days ago, that was talking about how there are companies that may say they're hybrid, but they haven't done anything to figure out some policies and strategies to make it truly work. So like, 30%, one in three of those who were surveyed said that they would consider going to another company that had hybrid work with defined hybrid meeting policies. There you go. Oh, wow. Okay. I love that. 30%. I thought, okay, that is something that every organization should be taking heed of. You have to come up with a plan. You can't just leave it to chance. Love it. Wow. Okay. Is that in your book? It, no, because it just came out. So that Dude. is late breaking news, Mitch. So Karen. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. I love talking to you too. It's so fun. You have a great collaboration. I feel like it's similar to my collaboration with Dr. Allen. So how can you find the book? Suddenly Hybrid can be found anywhere you buy books. You anywhere know, you buy books. As far as like reaching out to me, our company is Speaker Dynamics. So go on speakerdynamics.com and there's ways to, to catch up with me and my team. We're doing a ton of training on how to you know handle this hybrid communication, hybrid meetings, and we'd be happy to help other people navigate it because it does have a lot of promise. You just have to be thoughtful about how you yeah. do it. And Go that's ahead. being published by Wiley. So yes, this, I is know. A, this is the real deal, people. Another congrats. <laughs> this is my third one with Wiley. Here might be the biggest secret of all, because you mentioned about your collaboration with Joe and never met him. Mitch and I have never met each other either. So Yay! that I think is the secret. If we meet each other, it's over. But anyways, thank you for that perspective. I know walking away from this podcast, you've really shifted my mindset on it has to be either in person or it has to be all virtual. And on the podcast, we talk about hybrid and virtual. It just seems like most people are, it's that or the other. So we really are finding ways to be hybrid. And then as we close on this is to say, employees are going to start to say, look, you better figure this hybrid thing out and you better use those tools or I'm out. Yeah, I'm so, going to find somewhere else where they have figured it. it out. And so you have figured it out. We figured it out. And after listening to the podcast, hopefully everyone else has figured it out. But if not, go get the book, Suddenly Hybrid, Managing the Modern Meeting by Karen Reed and Dr. Joseph Allen. This has been 
Awesome. We look forward to seeing you again. Karen, look forward to seeing you again, of course, never in person. Ginny, and we look forward to seeing you, our audience, on the next episode of Team Anywhere. 